So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, happy 2023. I almost said 2022. Isn't it crazy how fast everything flies by? 2022 was a whirlwind year. I mean, I'm so, I get so excited at the beginning of every year. I love to like review the year. I love to reflect on it. I like to look at my goals. I like to look at next year's goals. And I know there's so many people out there that their end of year goals didn't quite meet up with their beginning of year goals for maybe the first time in a while for a lot of real estate agents. Now, some of you crushed it and some of you continued to exceed through your goals. Some of you did really well and you had such a strong first four months of the year that even when it slowed down near the end, you were still able to hit your goals. You know, one thing I would take as a lesson from that is you kind of, you know, get it while the getting's good. So there are times in real estate where the market is hot and it's on fire and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so, so busy. What should I do? Should I work less? Should I do things? I promise you real estate is cyclical where sometimes it's busy and sometimes it's not. So sometimes I guess my philosophy is when it is busy and when it's working, you got to go for it because it's only a matter of time before it slows down and it changes. Personally, I've had several business changes. I've had several business changes this year in our acquisition and flipping company in Texas because sales have gone to an absolute halt. We have some apartment developments that we were looking at building that now we're probably thinking that we're not going to go forward on and we're going to walk away. But we've seen other sides of our business. You know, rents are down a little bit. Vacancies are up a little bit. But in general, you know, rental investments have stayed strong. And as I've been interviewing so many agents lately, I mean, I'm so glad to be back and so and so glad to be interviewing. But everybody kind of has these different stories. And so that's what I think is so great about this podcast is even though real estate cyclical, not every market's the same. There are some markets that will last, you know, like Washington DC, it's kind of an outlier. It does its own thing. You know, it can go slower or go faster, but it's not necessarily gonna mimic Austin, Texas, where Austin had a huge rise and now we've kind of got this pretty big correction going on that's slowing things down. You know, and there's other places like market leaders where it used to be that things would happen first in California, then they would happen in Oregon, then they would happen in Arizona as far as pricing adjustments and things like that. So as you're trying to prepare yourself this year, I think getting listening to the podcast and getting to hear how it's going for different agents in different places and how they're attacking this is super, super important for you. You know, this is one of those special episodes where we're going to go through and we're going to do a few minutes of everybody that got interviewed in December. So you can see if there's any of them that you want to go back and listen to next. And before I go into it, you know, I want to remind everybody, we are two months away from our live mastermind in Austin, Texas. And this isn't like any real estate conference you've ever been to. We talk about it a lot on here, but because we're so passionate about it, last year we got 60 people together and it was such a magical time. You know, everybody is, was like so entranced, learned so much, you know, made these lifelong friends. And really, you know, I, I'm, and I'm promised that if you decide to join us, you're going to have the same effect. You know, you might already have people in your local area that help you in your journey, that give you advice in your journey. You know, I think most of you guys know I had, you know, in 2009, 2012, I made a lot of money. My business was growing like crazy, but I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any people that I could talk to about that and get advice. And when the market started to turn on me in 2013 with some new competitors coming in and fighting, I could have gotten ahead of it if I had the right people to talk to. And I didn't have that. I felt like I was a real estate, you know, real estate investor on my own. I felt like I was doing the whole entrepreneur journey on my own and it was hard. And you know, if you're one of the, if you're in one of those places where you maybe don't have a lot of people that you can get advice from, or you're already better than your network, or you don't have a network because you're too spread out in that area, or you're having a hard time going and asking people for help. The mastermind will also be great for you because this is your opportunity to finally get that network where you're no longer on this entrepreneur journey by yourself. When I joined my first mastermind in 2015, 2016, it was magical because the first time ever I knew that I could you know, get help with my issues, get help with my challenges and get help with my succeeding and get to celebrate those successes with other people. If you want to hear more about the mastermind, it's three days in March. 
you go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind. I hope you show up and join me. You know, we had so much fun last year. A lot of people ended up coming to my house afterward. We did cryo and a bunch of other fun things. Some of the guys got together and we just did an Ironman together back. Guys and gals got together and did an Ironman back in October. So I promise you won't be disappointed. I promise it's going to help you prepare for 2023. You'll make some lifelong friends. And I love getting to meet our listeners. So this episode, this is one of those special episodes where I go through and you listen to a few minutes of every one of the podcasts that we did in December to see if there's any one of them that you want to go back and listen to again. Here's a few minutes of the first one. This is episode 1102, Strategies for Making Sales as a New Realtor with Ernesto Hernandez. That's kind of funny. I got to meet Ernesto at our mastermind last year. He was absolutely fantastic. And I hope you'll like a few minutes of this interview. I have no shame in calling people. I have no shame in knocking on somebody's door. I think one of the biggest mindset shifts that I've had is I'm not bothering someone. Like when when people buy and sell homes, there is another problem in their life. Like that's not the first thing we're talking about. We're not talking about, well, you know, how many beds and baths do you have? What condition is your house? And okay, cool. Here's my marketing strategy. Like, let's, okay, I understand you want to buy and sell a home. Let's put that to the side. Uh, an acronym or not an acronym, but well, uh, a little saying that I, that I heard recently is people still buy and sell because of the three Ds. It's diapers, divorce, and it's death. So I always say life happens and there's always something else going on. So if anyone's wondering, well, am I going to annoy people and am I going to upset people? I would say the, the, the feedback that I've received from both the calling and especially the knocking, like the knocking, the door knocking, so many people say, Ernesto, I don't know what you're selling, but I commend you. Like your work ethic, the fact that you're still out here, the fact that you sincerely are trying to just market the heck out of your, your seller's property says a lot about who you are. Um, I've only been doing it for a little under a month. And I have two listing appointments that, that are scheduled. One lady said, I'm going to be honest with you, Ernesto. I get mailers from this top producing agent and I get them every month, but I've never met this person. So I thought I wanted to work with her, but my husband and I are happy to interview you and give you a shot. So that's, that's the, those are the screenshots for me. It's anybody can say, anybody can say that they spoke to hundred people. Um, where's the receipt? Yep. Where's the receipt? So if you're calling, I love follow boss. I know you guys respond, you know, you guys have the partnership with follow boss. I use follow boss. I absolutely love it. So if you're using the follow up boss and dialer, like it's easy for me to go into anybody's account, any agent, pull it up. What have you actually done? How many people have you called? How many people have you texted? Uh, so for me, it's about the receipts to prove that you're actually putting in the work. That's the whole point of the screenshots. I love that. I love that because as people, again, as people ask me for advice or tell me that they're stuck, I want to be able to tell them like, Hey, go do this. Go, go listen to this interview with Ernesto. So send me your screenshot that shows that, that you're going out and you're walking neighborhoods and you're putting in the time. One thing that I think I do really good at is coming up with creative lending solutions um, and educating people on how they can mitigate interest rates. So two of my favorite tactics, one are the buy downs. So I'm sure you've heard of those. There's different variations of them. There's the two one buy down. I hear of the three two one buy down, but it's basically a temporary interest rate buy down that the seller pays for. And if you refinance over the next year or two, any of the unused funds actually go back to the buyer, which is awesome. And we're seeing way more sellers that are open to giving a credit. Uh, the other thing, secondly, with the credit, it's mathematically better for a seller to give you a credit than to just drop the price of the property. So there's another agent, you know, quick story, you know, we're on the phone, buddy of mine, he's a little frustrated. He's like, I got this escrow and we're having a hard time with negotiations. It was listed at 750. They got a low ball offer at 700. The seller didn't want to give a $50,000 discount. So I tell my buddy, hey, call their lender, because obviously you got that in their offer. Call their lender, find out what would their payment be if you gave them that seven that, that reduction from 750 to 700. That's a $50,000 discount from the seller. What is their payment? Okay, now find out how much of a credit do you need to issue them to buy down the interest rates to get them the same payment. And it was only a $21,000 credit. So it's a win for the seller because they're giving up way less in terms of their proceeds. It's a win for the buyer because they can still buy that house at the payment that they need to be at. So I find myself educating people, uh, consumers on that a lot. I love that negotiation tactic. We recently had somebody in escrow at like 550 and they get back, the, they get the inspection back. They're like, no, the most we can pay is 500 now. And it's, I mean, there's a $50,000 discount on something that you think is 
pretty minor repairs. It's really just buyers trying to get better deals yeah. out there right now. I would love to be able to try to, to counter back and go, all right, what's your payment at that? What would it cost us to buy that rate down? Because yeah. if I said, hey, I'll give you a $20,000 credit instead of $50,000 off, I think they're getting a bad deal, so they're out. But if I was able to show them your payment will be exactly the same at this as it would be yeah. there, and now we both win, like I get my sales price, you get into your house. And so I love that strategy. All right, and if you like that one, that was interview 1102 with Ernesto Hernandez. Go listen to the rest of it. Next up, episode 1103, Adapting to the Ever-Changing Real Estate Industry with Catherine Paulsonelli, who has had special guest host Stephanie Heiser. Here's a few minutes of that one. What would be step number one? If someone comes to you and says like, hey, I got the real estate part down, what do I do to like survive and get organized? What would you tell them for their first tip? Yeah. So I would have to say that, especially for someone like you that really kind of like boomed in their business and they know that they've got so many transactions that are keeping them super busy. My first piece of advice is going to be, what do you love doing in your business? And what do you wish you really didn't have to do in the business? Right. And from there, see if we can't find some ways to delegate some of those pieces off of you. Right. So like one of the first things that a lot of people should do in their business once they start getting busy and understand how a contract goes from start to finish is hire a TC, right? Then you're not dealing with the paperwork. You're not dealing with the in-between um, emails that need to go back and forth and making sure things are signed. You can take that client, deal with them the way you need to handle them. However, whatever additional comes up, correct. And then also be able to move on to the next one. So that's a huge piece, right? So TC, take that paperwork off the back end. Go ahead and get rid of that. Focus on what you're great on. The next thing would be for someone of your size that has that much, what's the next step in your business of things you would like to be able to let go of, right? If it's social media and um, follow up or touching base with your database and you don't have time to do those text messages and phone calls, who can we hire to bring in to help alleviate that from you and train them to work the way that you do so that your clients are still getting the full experience of you? Awesome. So what yeah. do you think about the state of the market and the future of the market? I definitely agree with you. I don't I don't think that we're going to stay in like this weird transition, right? We're in a transition and that, that's how I see it. What I do think is going to happen is it's going to allow things to kind of even back out. And not only with your market, you're going to see that sellers are going to have to learn how to negotiate again and be okay with that. Your buyers are going to now be able to breathe because they have that ability to be able to do that. And then you're also going to see it within the agents as well. Because like you said, a lot of people I feel like got into the business around 2020 when they saw things were stupid easy and they were like, oh, I can have a business, right? And they didn't do anything. And so you're gonna find these agents now and people are gonna have to start defining, do I want to actually learn what it means to run a business? And am I willing to put the time, money and effort to do that or was it a good run and I didn't have to do anything? And now that I do, I should probably just go back to my corporate job. Like, I think that we're going to see a huge transition in the amount of agents on the market as well. And how that is going or, you know, how it's, how it's changing. And I think that's going to make a, a huge difference. And for those that don't start learning the business now, while we have a little bit of a slow moment, are going to continue to fall behind until it gets to the point to where they don't have a choice but to retire their license. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful and accurate point. All right, if you want to go hear the rest of that interview, go listen to the rest of episode 1103 with Stephanie Heiser interviewing Catherine Polsonelli. Next up, here's a few minutes of episode 1104. This was 200 million in sales at 23, overcoming extreme adversity with Brian Lane. This was a guest interview by Courtney Atkinson. Here's a few minutes of that one. The last three years, I think we've uh, transacted on just north, just around $150 million in residential real estate. And mind you, he's, yeah. our, he's done another probably billion dollars in commercial real estate. He's, this is just more like, he, I think he, he cares about me and gave me a shot type thing. Yeah, well, you got a compelling story, and you're a, you're a heck of a guy and a great storyteller, by the way. But more powerfully, navigating what you've been through and getting to university, you know, getting your siblings out of the situation that they were in, never mind just yourself, 
And then you, you skipped right past the part where you just finished up a sale on Ron DeGeneres' place. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. You know what's even crazier about that? This is what, this is like a, a whole full circle moment, right? So we worked with that client um, for about a year and a half. Wonderful family. Um, and they're so kind to me. And, that I, you know, we, we obviously represented them to buy Ellen DeGeneres' house for 47 million bucks about two years ago. Ellen and Portia do incredible work to the properties they sell. The caliber of this house was unreal. And, um, you know, they, Ellen and Portia and Kurt Rappaport, I got to say, that's their broker. They're just great people all around. And I really thank them for mm. helping get that transaction done. And that, that house is extraordinary. The funniest part about that whole situation, to me at least, you know, as a kid that comes from like a live growing up in a shack with like cockroaches on my face, now selling one of the sickest houses to transact that year. And during that whole time, like I told you before, I didn't even touch on this in the story. My mom's going to prison for life during the whole transaction. So it's like I'm I'm being pulled in all these directions. How do you stay focused? Mm. And motivated, right? It's because I freaking love what I do so much. Like I'm so grateful yeah. to get to go from living in a like living in the ghetto on the floor in a complete shithole to selling one of the yeah. sickest houses in the world, but at the same time then your mom's going to jail and you're like, What for the rest of her life yeah. for beating the shit out of you? How do you really feel about it? Yeah, um, it's a lot, man. Confusing, huh? Yeah, well, I, I can't imagine how how that must have felt. I mean, on the one hand, you're you're riding some of the biggest highs that a person can ride in our business, and on the other hand, you're riding some of the lows that a person can ride in their entire life, right? Yeah. I have a question that I think our viewers and listeners would would love to hear about because you know you you're working with some very sophisticated, wealthy people on you know these properties, ten plus million dollars with fair degrees of consistency. How, how are how are you typically finding these people? And I have a follow-up question for that, just for you to think through. So the first one is, is how do you find those people? And then the second thing is, what are maybe one or two things that you think are unique about servicing those relationships compared to maybe somebody that's buying in the kind of million to $5 million range? Good question. So first and foremost, how, how are you finding those people? You know, there's a, a, again, a saying that my broker always says to me, deals beget deals. You do a deal, you get more deals. If you brand, if you market that deal correctly, you definitely get more deals. So, you know, a lot of it, like I told you, like I was mentioning, it, it comes from the referral aspect from these people. You go mm-hmm. so far above and beyond to take care of them um, that they they want their friends to work with you because they know that you'll take such good care of them. Mm-hmm. And when you refer out a friend you're essentially vouching for the third party that you're referring them to. And at this level, they have to be so timid about where they refer people to. So Mm -hmm. that is why I think it's very important to go so far above and beyond for your clients. You know, the, the top agents in this city, um, they probably wouldn't work with some of the buyers that I work with. And the reason that they wouldn't, is because they're just trying to close a deal, sell a house. They're trying to make a deal. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. trying to necessarily, they're not necessarily willing to go through the 12, 16 month long burn to find the asset that that person loves the most at the best price. Right. They're just trying mm-hmm. to close a transaction. But I think it's that attitude, it's that energy, it's that confidence, it's that enthusiasm, it's that belief, like all that stuff. People are feeling that. A thousand percent. I really had an enjoyable time listening to that one because his story was so interesting. Go back to listen to the rest of episode 1104. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Air Mucistegi, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is follow-up boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use follow-up boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using follow-up boss. We use follow-up boss. So we use follow-up boss. I love follow-up boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow Boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, Call Action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to Follow Boss. 
Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Rivity Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used LineDesk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow-Up also gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow-Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list-based, that's fine. If I want to go task-based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user-friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user-friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow-Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow-up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. Next up, here's State of the Market 90. You know, me and Andrew Perry, I interviewed him on the podcast for the first time last year, talked about rising interest rates, buyer-seller disconnect, and really the challenges that they're seeing in their market. His market is a lot like Austin, Texas, where things have slowed down a lot. Nobody is offering asking price, no matter what price you listed, even if you price it right, people are asking for these big discounts. We talked about the challenges of that and how to overcome that. And he's also gonna be one of our speakers that comes out to the mastermind in May. Here's a few minutes of that interview. All the buyers are just in this mindset of no matter what, they're gonna offer less. And it's one of the first times I'm questioning my listing strategy because I feel like if I had listed it at 500, I actually would have got 450, which is yep. totally different than advice of years past. Years past Correct. was like, no, like list it for the price, and then the market's gonna gonna determine that. But I feel like right now they're actually looking at list price and they're saying, well, no matter what the seller wants, we can offer less. And um, you seen anything like that hearing that from any yeah. of your agents? Yeah, absolutely. So as soon as you kind of started chatting about that, I I immediately started thinking, hey, you know what? Whoa, if we did that, we would be selling or getting offers at, you know, 50, 100K lower. So what I think the biggest problem was between now and, you know, back in the day when those types of strategies, you would have a traditional three-step you know, choice. You'd say, okay, let's list it below market value, at market value, or above market value. Mm-hmm. Where the reason why that's not working right now is because it was such a drastic change in the marketplace where there wasn't any time for, let's call it a cooling off period. Let's call it a time for the rates or the market um, to become you know, a little bit more adjustable in the buyers and sellers minds where we've got this kind of, you know, drastic 180 flip within such a short period of time that buyers and because Mark and because rates are still going up and up and up is that the buyers still haven't wrapped their head around where is this market going? So that's why you're seeing these offers come in 100 to 200. Our average offer um, is about coming in $200,000 under asking right now. So it's a massive difference and massive stretch trying to get anywhere close to what the sellers were even hoping. So what we're doing now, and you know, the reason why we're doing this is to set expectations, is we're adding a Schedule A to all of our listings and saying, number one, the seller agrees to list within five, maybe 10%, depending on the house, of course. If we feel the house is attractive, it's solid, it's going to bring us a lot of exposure and additional leads, um, then yeah, we can list within 10% of what we're suggesting. However, your average Schedule A is going to say that the seller must list within 5% of what we're suggesting or we're not taking the listing because right now we've got 25 listings and about $100,000 in marketing costs. So that's something that we're trying to avoid. And we've got 20 pissed off sellers. I mean, we have 
really good relationships with our sellers, so they're not pissed off, but I'm sure they would have loved to sold two months ago. Um, and then what we're also doing, saying if you canceled the agreement and decide to list it with somebody else or sell it at or below this price, then we, we are entitled to commission. So again, it's not something that we're trying to scare them, but we are setting expectations to let them know that, look, we've done our research. The house should sell at this price or less. And if you're not willing to even consider our reports, then we're not really willing to consider working with you. And it's a way to protect ourselves, but it's also a way to reinforce that we know what we're doing. And if you want to get this sold, this is our best shot to do it. And what what advice would you give to like kind of that newer agent that's like maybe on a team of two or three of like, if you're going to, if you're only going to have this much money to spend or this much money to work on, focus here. Because there's just the, the pool got smaller. The most important thing that we need to know is that the last 24 months was a very market-driven um, uh, market, if that makes sense. So yeah. what, I, what I mean by that is that it really didn't take a lot of skill for a transaction to come to completion. The buyers, the market did all the work, where now it's a very skill-based market where we need to rely on our ability to convert buyers and sellers in order to make any money at all. So now that I've said that, I think about this. Ever since COVID, and again, I'm not the type of guy that say online leads are shit, and then somebody else says, you're, the leads aren't shit, you're shit. I know that. I, I understand. But from a realistic standpoint, we don't have time to properly service online leads. What we need to take that money and reinvest in is more opportunities to speak to people face to face because we have a higher conversion rate when talking to people face to face. So number one, start planning out your 2023 on in-person events. Okay. Webinars, sure. Make that secondary, but make your primary focus in-person events. All right, and if you like that one, remember to go to listen to the rest of State of the Market 90 with Andrew Perry. Next up, here's a few minutes of episode 1105, the, the full fee agent, why you should always charge your worth with Steve Scholl. This was a great interview. I had a lot of fun interviewing him. You know, there's a book called Never Split the Difference, which is a negotiation book. It was absolutely fantastic when I read that. Changed the way I looked at everything. In a nutshell, the guy is a hostage negotiator that writes that book. And he says, when you're going in to a hostage negotiation, you know, in real estate, they'll say things like split the difference. Like, hey, here's $10,000. Why don't each party give five? That's splitting the difference. When you go into a hostage negotiation, the only goal is get that hostage out alive. So he can't say, I'll take half a hostage. And he really, he has to get the hostage out alive without paying him any money, right? Without giving them what they want. And so that's the negotiation tactics that he had to learn. How will he win 100% of the time? Because you can't split the difference in hostage negotiation. Well, Steve listened to that book or read that book. And then he was so fascinated by it. He just wrote a new book with those things in mind. But here's a few minutes of episode 1105. On every deal, on every deal, there is a legitimate reason to give away your money. Every deal. It comes up every time. Every time. And everyone is reaching into your pocket every day for your money. And not only do they reach into your pocket, they feel entitled to reach in. They, they, they're they not embarrassed. They're not shy. Somehow they think that money is on the table. And so I want to be very clear. This happens in every deal. There's always a reason, you know, whether it's a past client or they're going through hard financial times, you know, what, 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 whatever it is. At the same time, let's be, let's be 100% honest. If they need your $100 or your $500 or your $5,000 or your $50,000 or more, if they need your money to do the deal, they shouldn't be doing the deal. End of story. And the idea that it's your money that's going to put the deal together, that's complete BS. 
That's just fear and lack and scarcity taking over. The root of all evil in real estate, the root of all evil, and there's a lot of evil going on out there. The root of all evil is the belief that something is better than nothing. And when you buy into the belief that something is better than nothing, that's why you give your money away. You justify it in your own mind. Well, it's a $20,000 commission. I'll give away $500. I'll give away 1000 Net, net, I come out way ahead. So this idea that something is better than nothing causes you to compromise every standard you have. And unknowingly, unknowingly, what you're doing every time you chip in. And remember, no good deed goes unpunished. It's not like when you give your money away, they go, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. That's so great. That's so wonderful. They just it's, it's licensed to ask for more. They're just wondering, maybe I should have asked for more from you. You're not you're not scoring points. And I know that's what you think. You're not scoring points by giving your money away. So, again, this this idea that something is better than nothing is a career killer. It's a career killer. Now, the way you think about it when you're giving your money away, the way you think about it is you only think in terms of the deal that's in front of you. It's only $500 or 5000 whatever the number is. I would encourage all of you to go back for an entire year and add up all the money you gave away in terms of how you discounted your commission and anything that you chipped in to make the deal go together. Add it up for a year, then multiply it by 30, the number of years you're going to be in real estate if this is your career, and the number you're going to get to is called your retirement. All the money that you gave away, that's your retirement. And so rather than working 30 years, now you're working 35 or 40. You, you've got to extend how many years you work. It's like I'm convinced, right? So, so you convince me and you convince your people of, hey, let's always know, right? Like, so somebody asks you to cut, here's no, and here's why. So the agent now understands why. That's my retirement. You know, people are willing to pay it or they know that they're worth, they know they're worth it or they know that if they say yes now, it's going to add up, like all the things. I love the saying that if they need your money to close the transaction, um, they shouldn't do the transaction. And I almost think that maybe that's the first response an agent should give. You know, if a buyer says, hey, can you, you know, pitch in some of your commission so I could still buy this to make up the difference on the, you know, the appraisal, right? And I could see an agent just using your words and, and saying, hey, if you need my money to do this deal, you really shouldn't do this deal. You know, you shouldn't buy this house if you need that. And I do know that so many agents in that word are like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill the deal. I'd rather keep some of my commission instead. So I, I see that fear. I can even picture it on their face in our, in our made-up scenario. But what would you have your agents say? Would you have them say that? Are there better lines? Are there little pieces of advice that might make that conversation go? I remember in, in Split the Difference, they said, well, how do you expect me to do that? Right. Somebody says, I need you to do this. You go, how do you expect me? Do you apply that to real estate? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, you know, how am I supposed to do that? That's one response. Another response is when they ask you for your money to say, it seems like you're very disappointed in me or it feels like I've let you down tremendously or it feels like you must think I'm doing a horrible job for you. Real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Thank you for letting me interrupt for a second. I've got something really, really important to talk about. You know how last year we kept talking about that mastermind? What is the mastermind? What are we talking about with that mastermind? Last May, there was like 60 or 70 people of you listeners that had never met, flew out to Austin, Texas. We all hung out at this awesome event center and we spent a couple days with some great guest speakers talking about skills and strategies to succeed in real estate. And then we had these mastermind tables where everyone rotated, everyone got to meet everybody, everyone got to provide value. Some of the agents there had only done one or two deals ever. Some of the agents there had done hundreds of deals and they all got to interact and help each other build their business and build their strategies. And I've heard so many stories of 
friendships that came from that, uh, referrals that have come from that. There were six or seven people at that one that heard me talk about doing an Ironman, and we all did an Ironman together in in North Carolina last month, and we had never even met before the podcast live. So the it was it's, it's been such such a cool experience. The I would love it for you guys to come. Today is March six through eight. The sign ups right now go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind. We also have a room block set up. It's three days downtown Austin. Great, really cool hotel, really cool uh, convention center that we're going to be hosting it. And we're going to get a chance to, I can't wait to meet you guys. I can't wait for you to meet other listeners. I can't wait for you to develop these new interactions. And really what we're teaching, yeah, last year was like, how do you make a business better? But the market was just starting to turn. And I was trying to give some people some advice of what to do when it, when it was happening. Now it has turned. And this time we're going to be talking so much about how to pivot and what to do next. So uh, again, I hope you signed up for the mastermind. Sorry for such the long advertisement, but I can't wait to meet you. Ibendigital.com forward slash mastermind. That's going to cause them to have a little pause right there. And, and most of them are saying, no, 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 it's not that at all. You know, I just really need this in order to put the deal together. And then you simply say, it is not my professional practice to make up any shortfall between buyer and seller. And that's it. You don't need to sell anymore. You, you don't need to say anymore. And they're either going to do the deal or they're not going to do the deal. If you like that one, go listen to the rest of episode 1105 with Steve Scholl. I had a blast interviewing him for that one. Next up, here's episode 1106, How to Win Clients with a YouTube Real Estate Channel. This was Stephanie Heiser guest interviewing Toby Fernie. Here's a few minutes of that one. There's some people that I follow on YouTube uh, that are, you know, very busy, very successful realtors, um, you know, kind of like uh, Ryan Serhant from Million Dollar Listing, you know, people like that that are, that are very successful realtors that are selling, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year in real estate. And they know how important it is to, to be out there in, in marketing, right? Realtors are, are modern day marketers. So if you're feeling like I don't want to do marketing, I, you know, that's not something that I want to do. It's going to, it's going to make it harder for you to, to meet more clients in, in today's digital age. So um, I think that, you know, doing a, a great job with the transaction, you know, communication with your clients making sure that you, uh, you know, get them to want to work with you again for, for another transaction or referrals. Those things are really important, but also it's really important to, to get out there and, and have your, your name known in your, in your community. Uh, and one of the best ways to do that these days is through uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, some of those different uh, internet, social media marketing sites. Um, but to your point in terms of, you know, how saturated things like YouTube are, I've found that there's very few realtors on YouTube in comparison to some other options out there. If you look at something like Zillow, I think every single realtor in, in Monterey is, in, is on Zillow. I don't show up until the, the 21st page of Zillow. Zillow and uh, you know, I don't think anybody's scrolling to the 21st page to, to find their no. realtor. And um, you know, those, those sites also are very expensive when it comes to being somebody who ranks on there. Uh, the first year that I started doing real estate, I was, I was working on a team and they were paying for, for Zillow leads. And I was getting, you know, calls from people that were looking for $200,000 houses in, in neighborhoods where the, the least expensive home was, was over a million dollars. So it was people that were kind of home shopping. They didn't really know too much about the, the real estate market. Uh, and they were just kind of fishing out there and, and getting information. So it was a lot of leads that I felt were things that were time consuming, but that wouldn't necessarily lead to, to something that was realistic. And I think it was a thousand dollars a month, uh, or it might've even been more to be on the most affordable neighborhood uh, to be one of the realtors who ranks on Zillow. And that was five years ago. And it was even more expensive if you wanted to rank in some of the, the luxury markets here. So you, know, you could be spending tens of thousands of dollars a year on, on some of these other sites, whereas YouTube is, is completely free. And if there are other realtors in your market who are on YouTube, that's actually not a bad thing. Because if you create a video that's about your you know, five favorite neighborhoods or the, the pros and cons of living 
in in your town or the cost of living those type of video those type of videos if somebody has found a video from another realtor youtube will then put your video up on their suggested videos on their feed so the next time they come around they may come across your video and and i tend to think that there's a realtor out there for everyone so there's you know if somebody watches three videos they may really uh, connect with with you from your video or they may connect with with one of those other realtors but um, you know just having your channel up there uh, having good searchable terms uh, clickable thumbnails things you know that's the front image on your video uh, things that are going to attract people to, to come across your videos and I go over all these different things in the course for, for how you can make sure that your videos, the time that you're putting in, uh, those are things that are going to result in, in a lot of views and potential clients. All right. If you like that, go back and listen to the rest of episode 1106 with Toby Fernie with Stephanie Heiser as the guest host. Next up, here's episode 1107, a few minutes of this one, running a relationship-based business with Andrew Jacobs. I had so much fun interviewing Andrew. He's been a longtime listener, super humble guy. You know, he's proud of his company and he's been doing so, so well in it. And I think there's a lot of tactics he talks about in this one that's going to help you. All right, here's a few minutes of this one. We did this slow build. So every day I came to the office, I would send out some mail. I'd try to make some calls. I would schedule myself to go out in the community and meet people in town. So a couple tips. Number one, I picked my lane. I said, I want to be a realtor in this town, period. Um, I feel that when realtors pick too wide of an area, you get lost and, and you lose focus. So I was very, very specific on where I wanted to build my name. And then I did a few things. Um, number one is, like I said, I came to the office every day. I would schedule myself in the community. So I got haircuts a lot and I would meet barbers. And <laughs> I've been to like six different barbers at this point. Um, and I would meet everybody in there and you just strike up conversations, get to know people. By the end of it, you know, they want to know about you. I'm a realtor in town. I'm actually building my name, you know, if you think of anybody, et cetera. So I did that. I went, got lunch. I, I would look up in town all the big players, who's the top mortgage people, who's the top realtors. And I asked them all to coffee. And these people are happy to do it. And we would have great conversations. And I'd really try to knock their socks off with my enthusiasm. So this took time, but that's how I kind of met people in the community. I also did open houses every weekend. And after a year, it took time, but after a year, this thing started rolling. And then what happens, and then I'll get back to the interview, but I just am really excited to say this part. Then what happens is what my office promised me would happen, is now we have a bunch of transactions that had happened, people that know our name from being out there every day, and now I have a past client list, a sphere of influence. And so when these referrals started coming in, hey, you can help my brother. Hey, you can help my mother. What a high quality transaction that's going to be. They already trust you. They heard you did a great job for their family member. So that's the route I took. And now we just did our numbers. We're 75% referral and warm business of people we know or people who know people we know. And... It's it's a pleasure. Yeah. Do you do any outbound marketing? Anything? Not really. I I, yeah. I think we spend what we spend on is gifts for everyone we know and and Christmas stuff and closing gifts. We spend zero dollars on marketing. Zero. Yeah, except for the haircut. Except the haircuts. For the, except for you got a lot of fifteen dollar haircuts to meet people. Yeah. Well, let's try to let's try to dissect one of those relationships a little bit because you're like, hey, everybody that we've worked with, they had a really good transaction with us, and they had, a, and then we have a really good relationship with them. How do you make sure they have a great transaction? What are some things that you do and some steps that you follow for that? Like, so how do you make sure that they have a great transaction and that you do have that great relationship? I mean, we heard part of that, right? So we mm -hmm. heard part of that as you know the follow up and the and it, the, the gifts and stuff later afterward but but what do you guys do during the transaction from the time that they're a lead to the time that they're a, a trusted client oh i love that um well from the very beginning education is is key if i'm going on a listing appointment i have a stack and i did about an hour and a half two hours prior so um i think that's a service you have to give to that to that seller um, on the buy side, I just I need to know the market they're looking at. I need to know what I'm talking about. So uh, to help them get a good deal or make the right offer, et cetera. So right away, I feel like the clients feel that they're in good hands and feel that we care. And you know it's going to be a good transaction even with that, um, just from that start. 
once we're under contract, et cetera, um, we have a coordinator who really keeps us in check. She puts the dates in everybody's phone. Um, and honestly, I think the best thing I can say is keep in touch. That's it. I mean, realtors are notorious for getting something on a contract and taking a vacation. We, we stay in touch with everybody. You have to anticipate your client's needs before they have the need. So if they don't hear from you for a week, you can pretty much bet they're like, oh, man, what's happening in my transaction? I'm getting nervous. They're not going to not hear from me for a, week, for a week. You know, I'll make sure every four days or three days, if nothing's happening, sometimes the deals get quiet. You just check in. How you, how you guys doing? You're getting ready for your move, et cetera. Everything's good on our ends. Here's the checklist again. You know, everything's looking good. Um, I don't think I need to get more detailed than that. As long as you're in touch with your client, I mean, that. I feel like that's the easiest thing to do, but most realtors or many realtors don't do that. And the client yeah. feels alone during a very intense and scary part of their life. Let's remember how important this is. All right. And if you liked that one, go back and listen to the rest of episode 1107, Relationship-Based Business with Andrew Jacobs. Next up, episode 1108, how to double your sales in a down market with Ricky Carruth. Now, here's like the total opposite interview of the one that I did with Andrew Perry, right? Where Andrew's in this market that, I mean, Andrew and I are both in these markets that are extremely, extremely tough right now. I see an, I see a recession. I've been feeling it. I've been doing all sorts of analysis about it. But Ricky has a totally different perspective on that. You know, he talks about his story, what happened during that time in those ups and downs and how even in a recession, real estate deals happen. I really liked his perspective. Here's a few minutes of that interview with Ricky Cruz. Because when the market shifts, it's either property owners can only have three choices. They either want to buy because things are going to be cheaper. They want to sell because they have to, they're in trouble, or they're just going to hold. So when things go bad, you call every, every property in the area and say, hey, you, know, you see the market, what do you want to do? Are you buying? Do you want to buy because it's going to be cheaper? Are you looking for deals? You want you're going to sell because you know you need to because of the market, or are you just going to ride this thing out and see where it goes? Either way it goes, you know. Do you have an agent you're going to work with? You know, I'd love to help you with whatever it is you're trying to do when that when that time comes. I'd love to work with you. Right? Get their information, weekly email, boom, you're in the game. But I made 150 in 2010, which was 50 percent more than 2009. And 100,000, then 100. So, in this mini recession, everybody's leaving the market, sellers are dumping their properties. I make 50% more money. And that's when I was like, boom, I got this because I realized that everything that I learned through the 2008 deal, that I, I, the mindset that I created would carry me through any market. And I was like, here we go. I'm, I'm in. I'm in the game. Went to Remax. Um, by 2014, I was the number one Remax agent in Alabama. Did that two more years. So I sold 100 properties a year, single agent, one assistant for eight years in a row. Last year was the last year for that. This year, I've stepped out of production. My dad's handling the day-to-day -day on that while I build these other businesses. So one thing to understand for agents is that your individual business is literally a microscopic dot in the, in the entire scheme of the industry, even when you break it down to your local market. Right. So like the top agent, you know, that probably has like 30 people on their team. They probably have at the end of the year, transaction wise, 1% of market share or less than 1% or maybe a little more than 1% or somewhere around there. And when you, and that's a 30 agent team and you look at an individual agent, a new agent, let's just say, for example, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> their market share in terms of transactions is so minute. It's not even visible. It's, it's a grain of sand on the beach. Um, and so, so for even in an, it, you know, like your your business is, let's just say, a beach, right? And your your business is a grain of salt, a sand on the beach. Take fifty percent of that beach away. Let's say you got a, a hundred yard beach. You take fifty percent of that away. You got a fifty yard beach. Well, your your business is still completely non-existent compared to the overall market, right? And so, I really want agents to understand that. You know, sure, there's less transactions for the overall market, but that doesn't mean there's not room for you to go out and double, triple your business, right? You can double and triple your business. Um, and one thing to understand about down markets is that all the really top producers, if you really pay attention, they'll all tell you the same story, that they came out of the ashes of a down market, and, and what they did during the down market is what propelled them to be that top agent. 
All right, and if you liked that clip as much as I did, go back and listen to the rest of the episode, 1108, How to Double Down Your Sales with Ricky Carruth. All right, and that's it. That's a wrap. Those are all of our podcasts that we did in December. And what's even crazier is 2022 is over. We did so many podcasts this year. We're going to try to go through and, and you know find the ones that got the most downloads to kind of re-bring those back. Maybe do one of these special you know end of year ones where you get to listen to a few minutes of each one throughout the year. It was a wild, wild year. And I think as we go into this next year, it is even more important to prepare yourself, you know, be ready in real estate, educate yourself all the time. You know, if you love this podcast or if you got anything out of this podcast, please go share it. Please go find me on Instagram at Aaron Amuchastegui. Please tell me you liked it. Please text it to a friend, text the link, have somebody else listen to it. You know, this is the largest podcast in the U.S. for real estate agents, and I want to help so many people. You know, so many of you guys, because it's so big, have listened to the podcast. You know, there's times I'm out with my family and you guys come up and introduce yourselves to me, and I love getting to meet you. But I'm also just as shocked when I meet a real estate agent that hasn't heard about the podcast because we are truly, truly trying to help everybody in the industry. So please, if you liked what you heard here, share it with a friend. And as always, thank you for being a listener. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, We've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff rebusuniversity.com and if you want to chat with me go find me on Instagram if you come find me on Instagram you can send me messages tell me what you want to hear tell me what you liked what you didn't like we try to put a bunch of content out there too you can find me in two different places it's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things thanks for listening we'll see you again soon This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.